Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Erin Summers, joined by John DeShazer. Very excited to be here with you on a Monday after a big Saints win, 9-0 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's their first shutout since a 20-0 win over our next week opponent, the Miami Dolphins, and that came October 1st, 2017. That game was in London. So the Saints now improve their record to seven and seven. They're in sole possession of second place in the NFC South. And they are, if everything were to end today, in that seventh spot in the NFC, which means that they would be in the postseason play. So things are definitely trending upwards for the Saints, John. How are we feeling after this big win Sunday night? Well, I mean, it's like most things that you you want to be you want to be playing well at the right time. And I guess that's what the Saints are doing. I mean, they've won the last two, uh, but they're trending in, in the right direction at the right time. If you're a team that's fortunate enough to go into the playoffs, you want to be playing well at that time. You want to be on some type of a streak to where you're carrying something resembling momentum into the playoffs, whether you're at home or on the road. And, and that's where the Saints are with these last couple of games. Um, people can look at that Jets game and say, well, it was just the Jets. You know, they won 30 to nine. The Jets are bad too. Well, okay, now they go to Tampa and win, you know, albeit, you know, nine to nothing, but it was it was really a game where they where they flexed up on Tampa Bay. I mean, they just they leaned on them and imposed their will, especially defensively. And, and that's what you need in the playoffs. That's what you need in the NFL. If you got a strong defense, you got a chance to win. And the Saints have a really, a really good defense at times. It, I know it's it sputtered a couple of times, you know, Philadelphia and 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 Buffalo come to mind, but you know, for the most part, this defense has held up well this season. They put on an absolute clinic last night on how to beat the Bucks, how to beat Tom Brady, holding him scoreless, a shutout for only the third time ever in his career. Defensive end Cameron Jordan came back in a big way. He grabs 100, his 100th sack, now has 100.5, joins Ricky Jackson as the only player in the Saints organization to have 100 or more sacks. Jackson does have 115, so Jordan's going to have to play a little bit longer to, to grab that record if he wants it. Um, but it was a, a great game, and then offensively, we had our first receiver that went over 100 yards in Marquez Callaway. So things are starting to click offensively. Maybe going forward, when you're not facing somebody like the Bucks, you can get a little more of your run game going and Alvin Kamara getting involved. But overall, I mean, offensively, I think that they managed the game pretty well. They didn't move the ball as much as you might have wanted to, but they scored. They had three field goals and they didn't turn the ball over at all. Well, And that last one is the main thing. Don't turn it over. If you don't turn it over, you give yourself a chance to win. Uh, the Saints, obviously, they'll want to be better in the red zone. They were, you know, I think 0 for 2 in the red zone um, last night. And that's something that you want to rectify. When you get to that 20 yard line of the opponent, you want to be able to punch it in. Field goals are fine. Yeah, they're points. And, and some points are better than no points, but you want to cash in for six. You want to get touchdowns instead of field goals. And the Saints began this season as the best red zone team uh, in the league. I think they started out 13 of the first team in the red zone or something like that. Something that, you know, they couldn't keep that pace. But when you get in those situations and these type of games against quality opponents, you've got to be able to punch it in to kind of give yourself the cushion that you're looking for. Fortunately, last night, they didn't necessarily need it, but there's going to come a time if they continue this season where they are going to need it. To help us break down the defensive side of things from yesterday, we're going to bring in former Saints linebacker Scott Shanley. He's currently an analyst with 
what was Cox Sports TV, now your view. So excited to have him on the podcast and really dive into this defensive effort. Scott, thank you so much for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast. It's great to be here after a big Saints win over the Bucks, And I know you were on hand there, just kind of looking at that game and what the defense was able to do. How does that rank all time for a defensive performance? You know, that, that was something I was thinking about last night. And when you talk about going against the Buccaneers, one of the hottest teams in the NFL, Tom Brady leading the, the MVP race right now to go down there to put nine points up, kick three field goals, and shut Tom Brady out. I, I thought, in my opinion, it ranked as the top defensive performance since Sean Payton's been there. I, I was thinking of back, and there's been a lot of great performances the last four or five years with the way this defense has been playing. And uh, it's it was incredible. I mean, and I think the thing that made it incredible was it wasn't just here or there throughout the game. It was from the very first play of the game to the very end of the game, not allowing Tom Brady offense inside the 20-yard line. It was it was remarkable performance the entire game. You mentioned the red zone defense there. Now the Saints are number one in the entire NFL in red zone defense. They didn't even allow the Bucs to get into the red zone last night. I mean, how have they been so effective in that area of the game? Well, I think this defense does a good job of being aggressive. Dennis Allen, he has done an outstanding job of, of being aggressive defensively because he has great players. He puts his players in position to make plays. I think when you look at players like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, he is an outstanding player in the Saints defense, not because he, he is an outstanding athlete, but I think a lot of other coordinators don't know how to use his skill set. He, he's a nickel safety linebacker corner. He's all three, he's all those th three things in one. And I give Dennis a lot of credit for putting guys like Chauncey in position to make plays, show off their skill set. Last night, the secondary's performance against the Buccaneers, playing man-to-man, -man, letting the front four, two outstanding linebackers in the middle patrol the field. So I just love what they do from a scheme standpoint, the type of personalities they have on the field. I love the, the passion that Chauncey and Quan and those guys bring to the team. They're a lot of fun to watch. A lot of people will probably be talking about C.J. Garner-Johnson because of the personality that he showed on the field, stepping up to Tom Brady. However, his closeout speed on that interception was incredible. I mean, you talked a little bit about his skill set and what he brings to the game, but what really does impress you about what he was able to do last night? I think he had one of his best games. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that play right there closed a lot of people or it, it shut up a lot of people who say, well, he's not a cover guy because they put him in a lot of positions man to man wise where he covers really good players in the slot of really fast receivers. He covers tight ends. I think Chauncey is an underrated cover guy. He does a great job tackling. He's a he's a wonderful tackler in the open field, an excellent edge blitzer. And I think because he tackles so well and he blitzes so well, people kind of think he's not a cover guy. But it was a perfect way for him to end that game after kind of getting in Tom Brady's face, telling him he's not scared of him. And I think Tom tried to test him after he told him that, and he made him pay for it. So he can do it all. He really is one of the better defensive players in the NFL. Scotty, I think it was the, the sage, wise Mike Tyson who, uh, who said, um, everybody's got to play until, until they get hit in the mouth. What's the nice plan for Tom Brady, and why are they able to, to kind of, for lack of better terms, hit Tampa Bay in the mouth. They've been able to do it four times over the last two seasons. Well, the NFL, it's all about matchups. So, so many of these games, and Sean Payton has been the best offensive guy at getting people in space. You look at Jimmy Graham, Sproles, Reggie Bush, Alan Kamara. He knows about matchups. And when, when you play a team like Tom Brady, whether he's in New England or Tampa Bay, Tom Brady knows about matchups. And that's why you see them always get the ball to a guy like Gronk. They like mismatches. There are not a whole lot of those mismatches. When the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play the, the, the New Orleans Saints, 
The Saints have guys in the secondary. They have a Lattimore who can go take away Evans. We don't need to worry about that guy. We have Chauncey in the slot who can cover slot receivers. We have Malcolm Jenkins, who was a former corner, who can cover Gronkowski. Those mismatches that the Buccaneers are so used to having against everybody else, they don't exist against the Saints. And then, by the way, you have great cover guys. You have two. Of the, you have a great pair of linebackers in the middle who can cover backs out of the backfield or tight ends. And a front four, when Davenport and Cam Jordan play like they did last night, and you can rush four, that usually is Tom Brady's kryptonite, is a front four who can rush and cover in the back end. Yeah, Scott, you can NFL, obviously. Can you speak to the evolution of the game, I guess, the way it's going? Because last night, Tampa Bay didn't even try – they didn't even attempt to run in the first quarter. It was basically drop back, throw, 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 even though they weren't having a lot of success, you know, in the blocking schemes against the Saints. But, I mean, they pretty much said, you know, okay – if we're going to play this team, we're going to have to throw it. Is that part of the evolution, or is that, that just one kind of one of those things where they said, okay, for this game, this is what we'll do? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of because of who we're playing, we're playing against a great Saints run defense. Why even go out there and beat our head against a brick wall? And I think because teams, no matter if they're led by Tom Brady, they're automatically psyched out before the game starts about running the football against the Saints. So that's a huge advantage for this defense. You already made a team one-dimensional before you even play them just because you're a history of stopping the run. But – it was almost a replay of last year's game when the Saints beat them 38 to three and the Buccaneers, I think, rushed the ball five times for eight yards. They weren't even committed to running the ball. The, the biggest the surprise I had in this game, John, was you could have ran the ball. It was it was a one score game throughout the whole game. And there was no reason to give it up. But what that tells you is they didn't like their chances of gaining yards against the Saints defense. So it, it, when you do this historically for four years in a row, stop the run, you automatically make teams one dimensional. I think they did that last night. So do you get a feel now that the Saints have been built a little momentum, might be on a roll? They lost five straight, but now they've won a couple, and especially the one that they won at Tampa Bay and the way they won it. Do you kind of get a sense that they might be, you know, kind of putting it together and getting in, and getting to a good home stretch here? No question. And that's why, you know, during the losing streak, when, when I – when I would watch this team, I was more hard on the defense than the offense. And people thought that was crazy because I gave the offense a pass because of all the injuries they had. Uh, just insurmountable amount of injuries, just hard to overcome. And that's when I said this defense needs to play elite. And there were a couple games they didn't. They have played elite the last couple weeks. If the defense keeps playing like this and the offense, obviously with Taysom and now Alvin coming back and getting a little bit healthier on the offense side of the ball. I think what happened last night, well, there were a lot of NFC teams around the league who watched that game and said, man, I hope this Saints team doesn't make the playoffs. There are a lot of teams that would hope that this Saints team does not make the playoffs because they don't want to play that team that they saw last night. This team, when they're healthy or close to healthy, I think there isn't a team that you can put in front of them that somebody would say, oh, there's no chance. This Saints team can be anybody when you get the performance you got last night. Now, I don't know if a lot of people have a good sense of it, but how difficult is it for an NFL team to have to go through three quarterbacks in one season? Oh, man, it's it, – I think I think because the Saints have been so good at next man up mentality that too many people in the national media just say, well, it's the Saints. They'll, they'll figure it out. They'll, they'll, but when you go through three quarterbacks and you constantly have to change what your identity is offensively, and from week to week you're doing different things to suit that guy's skill set, it's hard on the play caller, it's hard on the team, and – it's, it's hard on all three phases of the game because your game plan changes completely. So when you change that position and you don't have consistency of knowing what you're doing every week, it's really hard. So that's why, like going back, I said I gave the offense a little bit of a pass because they were going through some, some odd circumstances there for those five weeks. And, and speaking of the offense, you know, you're, you're without your, your two offensive tackles also. I, I neglected to mention that. But again, you know, you have the, 
discontinuation of what you're accustomed to doing. Have you played with a team that's been through what this team has been through, uh, I guess, from the beginning of the season, even if we go back to the, to the, you know, relocation of, you know, from the, from the hurricane to now all of this, you know, with COVID and losing your head coach and everything in between, have you, have you seen a team withstand this kind of tumult and, and turmoil? No, no, I, you know, I don't think if you put these circumstances on all the other 31 teams in the NFL, they could be seven and seven right now. That's just my opinion. I think the coaching staff has done a great job. I think the culture and the character of the guys in this locker room have done a great job of keeping it together, not pointing fingers. And that's why they've given themselves a chance to make the playoffs. But personally, I, I've been in this situation 2008, the year before we won the Super Bowl. I think we had like 20 guys on IR. And it was just, we were a really good team that year. We didn't make the playoffs. We were a 500 team, but we had so many injuries. Now, the difference between that year and this year is we weren't losing guys like Teron Armstead and Brian Ramchick. I mean, Pro Bowl, top guys. Most guys yeah. that GMs would want to take and start their franchises with. We didn't have those type of guys in our IR. So for this team to overcome those type of injuries and be sitting here at seven and seven and have a chance to go to a, to a playoff spot, I think it's pretty spectacular. Yeah, that 2018 with a defensive MVP there. So you know something about a good defense linebacker for the Saints for quite some time. Looking at the linebacker play here, and somebody like Juan Alexander absolutely stands out because of what he came back from this season. But what have you liked about that group? Well, I've loved this group really the last couple of years. I think they've done a great job on the field, playing together. You can see that brotherhood. When they make plays, they all celebrate for one another and, and get happy for one another. And I was fortunate to be a part of a group like that with Scott Vegeta and Jonathan Vilma. We love playing together. We love to root for one another's success. We took pride in doing our job first and then making plays. And I see the same thing. Demario Davis, he's been, he's, to me, he's been the best off-the-ball linebacker in the NFL for the last three years. Quan Alexander, it's, it is unbelievable the injury he came back from and the time frame he came back from. I think that shows his dedication, his love, his passion for the game. I just love watching those two together on the field because there isn't anything they can't do. They play great in space. They can cover backs and tight ends. And that's the way the game is now. It's a space game. Two great athletes making plays for the Saints. It's awesome. Coming into this game, knowing that you're not going to have your head coach in Sean Payton and then having Dennis Allen step in as a defensive coordinator, how do you think that that changed the mentality of the team coming into Sunday night? Well, I, the one thing I listened to Dennis postgame press conference, and he said that he spoke to Coach Payton. Coach Payton kind of told him how he wanted the game to play out. But this is why you assemble a great coaching staff. But more importantly, this is why you assemble a coaching staff that you trust and you believe in. Because it's hard to do. I went through the 2012 season without Coach Payton there for an entire year. That was really hard. It was hard not to see him in front of our group and talk to us and lead us. But for one game, the, the culture and the structure of this organization is so good, so powerful, that they know. They know what to do. They know what's expected of them. They know Dennis Allen's been with Sean Payton so long that he knows exactly what he would say before the game. He knows what he would say at halftime. And so I'm sure he relayed the, the exact same message offensively. Take care of the football. Don't put us in bad spots. Defense, do your thing. Special teams, you have to help us win the game. And I think the game played out perfectly. It, there was no difference if Coach Payton had been there or not. I think the game plan that they had going in played out the same. Do you think the players kind of stepped up a little bit more because of Dennis Allen, like defensively stepped up? Oh, I, I do. Because I know as a defensive player, when you play for a coach that you really like, that you really believe in, this guy is going to get to be on the grand stage Sunday night football against Tom Brady and the MVP. This is our chance to make our guy look good. And I don't want to lose Dennis. I, I'm sitting there thinking I'm torn because I know he's going to get head coaching opportunities. He's going to get interviews because they were panning on him a lot on the sideline. And 
he is a great coach. I remember young Dennis Allen when I was there, assistant defensive line coach. He moved up to secondary coach. And there's certain guys that you play with or you play for and you sit in meeting rooms. And as a player, you respect him. And you're like, man, this guy just has it. He's got all the intangibles to be a great coach. And that's always been Dennis. So even us former guys, we were texting last night. We were happy for his success and how they kept showing him on the sideline. It was great. Yeah, it was funny. Some of the players last night refused to say anything nice about him because they didn't they don't <laughs> want him to leave. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of drawing off some of your experiences with Coach Payton and Coach Allen, how have you seen them continue to progress here and, and the job that they've done with the season the way that it's been? Well, I think just it's been incredible really the last four or five years since since Coach Payton brought Dennis when Dennis was done with the Raiders and brought him back in the fold and took over for Rob Ryan. This defense has been elite. It's been one of the best defenses in the NFL. And I know what Dennis demands out of his defense. It is going to be physical. It's going to be aggressive. It's going to be fast. You're going to do your job. You're going to be accountable. And it's the same thing with, with Coach Payton since he's been there. The thing that's impressed me the most about Coach Payton is how he has changed – his thought process since 2006, how he's changed with the times, whether it be what, what he preaches as a coach. Uh, we would have never saw coach Peyton dance in the locker room back when we played. We laugh about that all the time. I love that. He brings that side out of him. Uh, he didn't have to do that. You know, early in 2006, he was trying to build a culture and build a program. And I love to see that side of him, but I also love the, the play calling part of it. He's adapted over the years. You know, he had a, an older Drew Brees the last few years, he adapted his offense. He's had Taysom Hill. He's had Jameis Winston. He's adapted his offense. And I think that speaks volumes about a coach who doesn't think it's, it's my way or the highway. This is how it has to be done. He evolves with the times, and that's why he's one of the best coaches ever do it. Yeah, well, there was there was no dancing in Jackson, Mississippi. At all. <laughs> no, until it was time, until it was time to leave Jackson, then everybody was dancing. Yeah. Um, Scott, now that the, the Saints have kind of settled in, uh, going into a Monday night game against a, a Miami team that seems to be on a pretty good roll here, five or six wins in a row. Uh, what are your expectations of the Saints in that game? Uh, Tua is a younger quarterback, and the Saints have had some success against younger quarterbacks. So, you know, what, what are your expectations going in, into this one? I think because he's a younger quarterback, the Saints defensively will dial up a lot of pressure. They're going to bring the heat. I expect on a Monday night football game, the Dome to be rocking. I know we've had a couple of blips at home, whether it be the Giants or the Falcons, but I think because of this team clawing back from five and seven to seven and seven, knowing what's on the line, you win three games, your chances of being in the playoffs are, are very high. And as Coach Payton and Bill Parcells always said, just get in the tournament and see, let's see what happens. And this team should certainly have that, that mindset. Let's get in the tournament and see what happens. Because the, the, they have a great chance of getting in the playoffs, I think we're still going to see a great performance. Getting healthier on offense certainly helps. But you're right, this Dolphins team has been playing some good football. They're on quite a streak. They haven't beat perennial top-tier teams, but they've been winning games, and that's hard to do in the NFL. You have to get pressure on Tua, but he's really evolving as a really good young quarterback in the NFL. And before we let you go, we have to talk about Cameron Jordan and the milestone that he reached yesterday with the 100 sacks. In your experience and seeing somebody like him and obviously not missing the game until he had to miss last week, it's incredible. What do you, what do you like about him and his game and, and the milestone that he's able to reach? There's, there's, there's a lot to love about Cam Jordan. I tell you, when I was going out, Cam Jordan was coming in. He was a rookie. First-round pick, had a lot to live up to. His dad was a great player in the NFL. And Cam, his attitude towards – Football and life is a little bit different than other defensive ends. And I'll never forget, 
Joe Vitt, who, who's our linebackers coach, been in the NFL forever. I remember looking at us one day in training camp after Cam messes around, jokes around, and that's just his fun-loving nature. And he looks at John Thilman and he goes, what is with this guy? Did we make a mistake? And we're like, no, Joe, he can play. That's just his personality. And I love that Cam Jordan dominates the NFL. It's 100 sacks. And still, he just messes around. He has a fun time. Cam Jordan loves life. He loves football. He doesn't take anything too seriously. And I think he's great for a locker room. I've been rooting for Cam's success since he's been a rookie. He's an outstanding player. A, part, a great guy who any team that had him in their locker room would benefit from him. And he is he is a Saints Ring of Honor type player. He's he's been awesome. Yeah, he's definitely enjoyable as far as the sound bites go after post and post game. And there's a lot of players on this team that have huge personalities that are fun to to listen to <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Scott, for joining us. We really appreciate you kind of breaking down the defense. Um, great stuff, and hopefully the Saints can kind of keep it going for the rest of the year. And we'll see you guys in the playoffs, right? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always fun, especially after a big win over Buccaneers and Tom Brady. I look for this team to keep it rolling and hopefully we get a chance to talk in the playoffs. Thank you so much to Scott for joining us. That was a great breakdown of the Saints defense and what he expects from the Saints going forward. We are right here in the playoff race now. There are a couple more teams that are around us six and seven possibly seven and seven a couple more teams still have to play with the monday and tuesday games this week due to covid but where do you feel like the saints are and and how good do you feel about their chances to get into postseason play well i feel a lot better than i felt at five and seven i can be i can say that (laughs) and i do too uh the main thing again is, is playing well at this time you know you play well and you let the chips fall where they may if if you play well you control your own destiny, so to speak. You know, you don't have to look at the scoreboard and depend on other teams to lose or depend on other teams to, you know, have these you know funny scenarios. You control it yourself, control your own narrative. And I think they put themselves in position to where they can control their own narrative. I know a couple of weeks ago, I can't remember which player it was, might've been uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, might've been Malcolm Jenkins, but somebody said, you know, hey, all we, basically to a degree, they said, basically all we got to do is win five in a row. Well, it's a lot easier said than done, but they've won the first two. And if they're taking it one game at a time in these increments as they are, they, they're giving themselves a chance to get to that mark. Yeah. Next up is going to be the Dolphins. That's a Monday night game. Big primetime matchup again here in the Superdome. And then they will face the Panthers and the Falcons. So it's not like they have the toughest route to end the season on. I think the Bucks game was the one that people definitely thought would not go in their favor if they were trying to win the last five, but things are definitely looking good. And if they can play defense that way, then heck I'll feel a lot better about it too. Now that is the last week to enter one of our big sweepstakes. So you have to go to new Orleans click on contest fan zone and enter for the keys to the dome sweepstakes. You can get two tickets for a year of live events at the Caesar Superdome. So that is a, a huge prize. Don't miss out. The sweepstakes ends this Friday. So definitely get in and um, try to, to win that contest because that would be a lot of fun to get into the Superdome for basically every event that they have for an entire year. Well, John, thank you so much for doing the podcast with me today. It was fun. Always more fun after a Saints win. We're going to keep it rolling this week and Merry Christmas. I mean, it is a holiday week. It is upon us. 
Absolutely. Merry Christmas. We will be talking a few more times before Christmas comes up. So uh, yeah, have some great holidays. Yeah, get the holiday cheer rolling. Saints fans, thanks so much for joining us. As always, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek.